it's uh, the end of a long day for me, and uh, we've, I've decided to um, pour myself a bourbon and talk Socrates. That's that's the only thing to do. Robust tea. Robust tea, bourbon, <laughs> Plato, Socrates, the great tradition. Now, Western. before we get on to uh, Socrates, I mm. believe you got some new books in the mail, Mike. Oh, I do, actually. Yes. Are you talking about this guy? Talking about these lovely... Oh, that's the one. Hold it up. Who's this new author uh, I've never seen in print before? Well, more technically, editor. Editor. Oh, that's a beautiful... Look at that. It just came out so nice, man. Look at that. So this is a, so, uh, a product of Michael Beck. So this is uh, Exodus and now in paperback. So the for anyone who hasn't seen, here's the hardcover. Ooh. And this is... Uh, but it's a lot more expensive. So uh, the paperbacks... Uh, yeah, they, they, you can get them from Amazon, um, at least from Australia, Amazon too. So, so it makes the postage much more reasonable. So that's cool. And then the other new one that's come along, because previously I had this Ruth and Jonah uh, sort of reader going on. Uh, but now what I'm really excited about also came out really nicely is um, mm. this uh, Greek Uncial Minuscule Interlinear. So what inspired the Uncial Minuscule well, I thought that's a brilliant idea, by the way, because I always like, yeah. what's, what's what's the capital letter for that Greek know, letter again? Because I'm like, so used like, to handling the, you know, the uh, Nestle Alliance 28th or 27th edition. You get so exactly. used to the, the small font. Well, everyone, it's like, it's kind of like the last step, you know? Yeah. And um and, and they don't they like forget to teach it at seminary. <laughs> so unless you bother <laughs> to like on, on day one learn the alphabet properly, uh you know, which no one everyone's just trying to get through at that point. Uh no one ever comes back to uh to the, the capitals. And and the thing is, um, you know, it is pretty awesome. Like, you know, actually uh, my brother and I were having a conversation because he's re recently been um to Turkey and he was um I think it was Ephesus or something, and they had an opportunity there to to kind of you know read through all those you know carvings on the ruins and you know and 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 they're all in like you know capital Greek letters yeah. and <laughs> and so he's with a bunch of Bible translators and they're like hey would you mind reading this to to us you know and he's like I, I don't know the capitals I don't know the capitals <laughs> so I'm like dude we got to get this book out quickly um, it's just so simple it's just a simple concept but we all know the we all know the um, the minuscule script and so just you know take a book that you know well like like first john you know don't even need to go through the vocab there most of us have got like uh, you know that, that down and and then you just sort of make the associations and it comes so quickly by the time so hold it up I've, let's have a look what i've done uh, is open a page let's have a look yeah so what, what it moves along in progression so um it starts you off uh section one there are four sections so the, the first section is uh, the until minuscule uh, with spacing so basically ah. that's that's easy reading right you yeah. just basically pair the two as you go and then <laughs> section two it gets a little it's like going up in a it's really awesome because then it takes away the spacing so now you've just got straight up letters that's what i was it, wondering about yeah but it keeps right. the spacing on the interlinear so you still know where you are but you practice without spacing and then um section three it keeps the spacing you lose the interlinear so you you know you feel familiar with that that at that point but um it keeps it keeps the spacing in the capital so it still yeah. eases you into it and then the last section is just pure you know no spacing no interlinear and you actually you know and then it's got a glossary at the end yeah. um or lex lex little mini lexicon um that's so, a great idea i know it's, it's really cool i'm gonna do one for hebrew as well to get rid of the vowels mm. So um, I'm working on that right now. 
and uh you know just stuff like that it's just really simple stuff that i think i just can't believe it's not out there and yeah. it's actually quite hard to even get it on the electronic format you know I, I remember just having a real you have to really do a bit of a workaround even to to have it display how you want to um on logos or whatever so i thought let's just get something on print and it'll just be a nice quick thin little book mm, you know and good. so hopefully it, hopefully it just gets around and you know what's really cool is that then you can go to like the british museum or whatever and, and actually read those <laughs> manuscripts and actually track with them and yeah. you can get some hard-earned payback for your greek get um, uh, photographs of the vaticanus and read it yeah and, and you can get these amazing facsimile copies now and you can even order um you know print editions of the facsimile copies so it's it's quite a quite a kick reading yeah. through this like you know or like james white get the tattoo well there we go you know if you want to be extreme <laughs> about it <laughs> all right so anyway so that's yeah that's exciting stuff and uh, it's just just all these little uh little research projects these little <clears throat> resources on the pipeline um so uh we're kicking this thing off now though we've been threatening with uh we've we've dipped our toes in the water you know cicero who else we did jesus as a philosopher yeah um and we've been talking about doing this great books collection by the way i've got this um on logos as well i'm not working for logos but you can get that whole collection on, <laughs> on logos and it really is very nice i used it you know it, it sort of works you know you can because you, you usually get the um all the original language stuff for free on the perseus collection so it gels with that and uh you can set some nice little readers up for yourself there um and uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna get into this i thought maybe <clears throat> just before we get we're gonna do plato's apology yeah. um uh more, socrates more, apology more socrates really but yeah as it, as it's called plato's apology and um <clears throat> i thought let me just say i think i might have said something about this before but just someone might be wondering why why are we you know i signed up for for covenant theology or merit of Clyde or something why are we talking about socrates and plato and, and all of that and um, and I think uh, one of, it's it's connected to this two age idea that we've got. We you know we're we've done this before with the church classics and that sort of thing, and we you know church history classics, and we want to we want to bring some of that and shake it up every now and again and just see theology from that wide lens perspective and historical perspective. Just keep it keep quite generalist uh, on the show. So that that's one of the things, um, but. The, the the two i mean the theology and the way that we then interpret life as reflected in common grace i mean there are numerous ways you can go about doing that you could review movies you could look at pop culture you could look at uh higher culture but i think that um it's one of the most profitable ways to go about it by, by looking at certainly as it dovetails is like, almost like a handmaiden of theology you know looking at these um these great works in in the western tradition because they they tend to just bring out such amazing uh, truths uh, that that we are totally willing to embrace with our whole heart. Uh, truth, uh, beauty, goodness. You know, if yeah. we, it's God's goodness. It's God's truth. It's God's beauty, and and, and we want to. Uh, we don't even have to redeem it. We just have it. We just claim it. It's because it's ours. You know, and and, uh, and yeah. So you want to say something? I was going to say, it's, and it's it is linked to biblical studies. I don't know if you picked up on it, but there were at least mm. two portions where I mm. thought. The Bible quoted Socrates. I know, isn't that amazing? Where he says uh, to to die is gain. To die is gain. You know, um, yeah. And well, and you know, beyond that, I've been reading a few books on. Um, I'll I'll actually mention these as I go. But and it's better to obey God than you. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Just amazing yeah. correspondences. I've noted noticed that in so many places now. 
Um, but you there, you do get a sense just in that. No one has to teach you that. You just you just get a sense. Wow, this is important literature. You know, <laughs> this this not only has uh, you know a great book. Let me just take the opportunity to um, mention this one quick. Uh, uh, I think you pronounce it uh, Darmus Darmus Hayes, uh, Greek culture and the Greek Testament. Um, uh, it's published by Wolfenstock, and um, you can get it op- online as well. You know, open domain, but but it's just it's called a plea for the study of the Greek classics and the Greek New Testament, like actually linking them together. And he makes yeah. just such a powerful case. It's a little bit like you know old and, and quaint the way he t- you know it goes about the whole task, but. But, you know, this is like, like what early 1900s, I think. And, um, you know, he's just he's just showing he's like, listen, this is a no brainer. You know, uh, you really do have to. Uh, <laughs> he just makes the argument that we're actually all just Greek. You have to just realize that it doesn't matter what nationality you are. If you're Western, you are Greek. This is yeah. your this is your heritage and you have to understand it. Um, and and you start seeing that the way that even the language starts filtering into biblical language. And then the other thing is. Um, you know, you see all these great biblical studies coming out on Pauline studies and epistles in Greco-Roman context. So, you know, just driving home, I mean, whether it be Paul and Stoicism or Paul and this philosopher or Paul and Plato or whatever. Epicureanism, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all in that same context. So, you know, it's if, at very minimum, you know, if you want to have it, if you want to kind of redeem it in your mind by having it linked to biblical studies, then just think of it as background, you know, studies to, 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 um, uh, both Old and New Testament. So there's all of that. Um, but we're, we, we don't even have to push it that far. At the end of the day, common grace is something that we're about as uh, this whole two-age sojourning thing is going on. And um, and we want to sort of learn to apply our theological rubric as we consider great thoughts. And so what better to do than, than go to the great tradition, the, the Western classics and and to have a look at these great books. Um, I, I wanted to mention also, just as we sort of set sail on this, um, in fact, I nearly just decided to follow this guy in all his uh, excerpts, but uh, if you can see that on the iPad here, but uh, John Mark Reynolds, who edited a book called uh, The Great Books Reader, uh, basically an e- excerpts from all of those um, those books over there and and um, and just little essays after each excerpt, you know, so it would have been okay. quite cool to to go through that. But I thought, let's just like break free. In fact, after his introduction, I, I, I was actually quite inspired to go, you know what, actually, let's just do our own thing, because um, he says a few things that I felt were, were really helpful, exactly the kinds of things I, uh, I'm kind of hoping to um, achieve here. Um, he says that, you know, you've got you've got these I mean, and we all would have felt this at some level. Here we are, you know, experiencing the Gutenberg press again in, in like online form and just being so exposed to books. Never, never before has it been easier to get those books and every other book. Ed Fontes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. Could you imagine any more <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you just have this like straight arrow going straight to the sources these days. Uh, and yet he says it's never been harder to read them. It's wow. never been easier to get them. Never been harder to read them. And that's for a few different reasons, I think. Um, just uh, w- one thing he does say is that we've all had the benefit. Uh, actually, let me try and quote him directly because it's good. Uh, we've all had the benefit or we've been lucky enough to... Oops. Turn the page. Uh, we've all... My goodness. Is it a lay on the turn page? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we've all been lucky enough to have avoided Victorian corsets and colors, but are unlucky 
to have missed out on the good parts of a Victorian education. And uh, a lot of that would have uh, equipped us to, to really, got, uh, you know, have a better access of the, of these volumes. Um, but, you know, as he said, you know, it's just, it's just, there's never been a harder time to just find the quiet that you need to just actually sit down and read something that's quite difficult. Yeah. And that's probably one of the other things. I mean, I, I would have felt, I loved what we read today, which we'll talk about in a second, but you know, it was difficult. It's, it's difficult reading. You have to focus any, yeah. any um, second of, you know, drifting and, and it's all going to be meaningless. I mean, I read it and I read a summary of it and I read a commentary of it. Right. Man. And I felt I needed all three. Yeah, exactly. Because, because it was, I mean, obviously there are concepts and historical references and references to myth and just a background that I'm not aware of. Right. Right. Coming exactly. as a novice to, to Plato and his view of Socrates. So all of that stuff is super helpful. Yeah, it is. It definitely, it definitely does put it in place and you can get a grip on what's going on, even just to kind of realize, um, you know, with the little parts of the discourse and why they would have mattered. And uh, we'll try and bring those out as we go. Um, but I think the, the, the whole thing, you know, that, that he, that he says, which, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it just comes down to a common grace, focusing on what is good. Uh, you, you don't have to, you don't have to focus on, you don't have to look at the great books. You don't want to be like some literature snub or, or, or that sort of thing. But it's just that, you know, you could like go through a blog series or something like that. It's just that what you have here is so worth the effort. And, you, you know, you can't, you can't say that for everything that you read and time is short. <laughs> so you have to, you have to choose. And, um, you know, it's almost there's a safety in knowing that even though it's difficult and even though you're thinking, what the heck, it's a, it's a sort of like setting sail on this really deep, scary ocean, um, you know, there's a payoff. It's like guaranteed to be some sort of payoff there that you might not find in other books. So I think that was something that, um, that, that influenced me in wanting to just move in this way. Um, and then, you know, to, to sort of... Uh, the best part of this introductory essay, in fact, the whole book is worth just this essay where he basically says, uh, you know, the whole thing here is you're entering into a conversation with great thinkers. So try not to ask the questions that you think you should ask or your English teacher when you were in, you know, grade seven told you to ask, but ask questions that you do have about the topic and actually engage with the author and be okay to leave open-ended, you know, uh, answers because it, you know it's not the scripture and it's not the final word it's just a conversation it's a way to provoke your thoughts and perhaps even fling you back into the bible um, and and even to try initially and this is uh, perhaps as you know dovetailing with your point on the other end to try and avoid overcomplicating things with uh, too many secondary sources to begin with because i know that's probably both of our temptation we're like i need to know everything about the background here and you <laughs> and you end up spending so much time i on need that. to read a commentary on the pre-socratic <laughs> philosophers before i get to Socrates. exactly and, and he's so you know i kind of even uh, i thought you know what i'm really going to take this on board because what he said was like uh, well, actually, let me quote him directly again. He says, uh, you know, avoid secondary sources and don't try to master all the details about an author. Most of us have loved something or other to death, like Star Trek, <laughs> the Star Trek fan who watches all the episodes and movies too many times and eventually ruins the fun for everyone. Uh, being an expert on Shakespeare is not the same thing as enjoying and learning from his plays. And that is just 100 percent true there is just yeah. you know you, there is a place for the amateur yeah you know which is what we are and um <laughs> self-confessed yeah and but that's okay and that's what it, it kind of draws me it's not like we're trying to you know pretend to be something we're not we're actually i think 
I'm hoping to lead the way in doing something we should all do in be, being happy amateurs um, that are willing just to enjoy something. I and, think true wisdom is admitting that you don't know anything. Oh, nice segue to Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, he says it's generally more important thinking about Plato. I'll just work with that, that, uh, that segue. It's generally more important to listen to Plato than to know bio biographical facts about him. Treat the authors as if they were alive and speaking to you. Context is significant for a deeper understanding of them. But first, try and grasp what endures in their work. And um, you know, I think I think you just can't can't but enjoy it if you approach it that way. So, anyways, that's what we're gonna do. And we'll just see where it goes. And we might just drift and then come back to other topics and then come back to this and just keep it in the back burner as we go forward. Um, all right, so moving on to uh, what we're looking at uh, for our kickoff here. And this is, um, I I'm reading it out of the great books thing. It's in uh, volumes, uh, what was it, volume seven. Um, let me just get the exact reference in case someone wants to go and buy um, Lagos after my hard promo there. Um, it is in, uh, uh, it's just, uh, I thought it had a number. It doesn't have a number. It does have a number. I gave the book to my daughter. She's got it in her, in her bedroom. Now I'm not going to go and get it. But it's in, um, it's in uh, you know, the, the Plato volume. It's just dedicated to him. And it's on page 200. Uh, but you can get it online and open domain and, you know, yeah. all, all over the place. And so um, this is in the dialogues of Plato, the greater, the greater section. And we're, we're looking here at um, the defense of, of uh, Socrates in his trial. Um, so I thought, you know, I don't know, admit, we don't want to turn this into Wikipedia, but um, at the same time, it is good just to say something about the guy and uh, who this is, who the heck was Socrates, who the heck was Plato. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you've got any thoughts to kick us <clears throat> off there. I mean, I've, I've got my own personal opinions. So, I mean, we have done, probably you and I have both done overviews of Western philosophy. And yes. you've got to the early guys like Thales, Pythagoras. Yes. <clears throat> and other guys of unpronounceable names uh -huh. where uh, you know they've all got these theories which are pretty much ontological yep. everything is fire everything yeah. is water everything is change mm. um concerned you know, with those metaphysics yeah exactly and we, but when socrates comes along he's more he's not an ontologist he's an epistemologist yeah so oh you said virtue mm. what does virtue mean oh mm. you said wisdom what does wisdom mean mm. And so he's the guy who comes in with the questions trying to, you know, the first, I guess, the analytical philosopher. Yes. And so yes. You know, that, that's what I've enjoyed about Socrates and how he arrives on the scene. Great. Yeah. yeah you know, um, <laughs> just also reading another book um, very slowly, but um, uh, Lewis Marcos, uh, we've mentioned him before, Marcos, I think you pronounce it, but um, he wrote a book called From Plato to Christ. And um and what he says is that you've got all those pre-Socratics who build up with these weird ideas and, and they end up with these crazy conclusions. And it's almost like Socrates was necessary to come and demolish everything yeah. and just start again so that Plato could do what he did and Aristotle could do what he did. He, was the, Wittgen, he was the Wittgenstein of um, right. early philosophy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just <laughs> level the playing ground <laughs> and uh, start again, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, he was really big in that sense. Um, and I suppose there is a lot we could say, you know, as you approach um, the, the history of philosophy and, you know, where he fits in. But again, trying not to go too far down that line, um, he would have been uh, Plato's mentor. Yep. So uh, Plato does get a mention in the apology. Yes, yes. 
Yeah. So <laughs> he was an eyewitness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Possibly taking notes. So, and and one of the big things here is you read it um, again. Not a pro at this at all, but you know, it, you know, it's my impression that you know it's sort of a running debate as to how much of Socrates is Plato, and yeah. how much of Socrates is actually Socrates in real life. Um, but you know, he certainly thought highly of his teacher, and uh, you know, he he uh, holds him up as the sage, the ideal, uh, the philosopher to to follow effectively. And um, much so the comparison is often made, much like Jesus. No one, you know, Socrates didn't um, write anything. Uh, he just came and, and and sort of did his thing and um, and everyone else writes about him, you know? And and so you have this testimony and then even even the way that he uh, dies and, and uh, you know, there's this prophetic moment at the end that all these <laughs> uh, similarities that people have drawn out in the past um, which are yeah. interesting, but, but, you know, again, to try and just stick with, uh, the man, what he said, yeah, we're, we're focusing on this climax of his, um, I'm not going to say ministry, but philosophy, uh, his, his uh, career where he, um, you know, he was just a, obviously through his questions, he just got on the scene and really more than anything else, just asked questions and did so relentlessly and, and, uh, introduced the thing we now call the, the Socratic method, even, yeah. um, cross-examination. Right. And just just not content to leave things to be and, and rest, but rather to penetrate into what their actual meaning is. And 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 really to uh, the, as the story goes uh, and as he tells in, in the apology, you know, he just he sort of received this divine commission from uh, the Oracle of Delphi uh, or Delphi. And um, and, uh, uh, you know, just just uh, how did it go again? He was the, the wisest. Uh, yes. It, that was the claim and he wanted to find out or something and, and he wanted to prove that it wasn't true or something i can't even remember uh, yeah. can you remember the story yeah so he's <clears throat> his friend went to the oracle of delphi who supposedly represents the god apollos so there you go yes and um oracle of delphi basically said that the wisest man in the world was socrates right and then the guy died and so he heard it from a friend who said that the friend had got it from the oracle. And um, <laughs> yeah, sure. there's a lot of third and fourth person stuff in Plato about Socrates. <laughs> and um, so then Socrates is like sitting there scratching his head and he thinks, you know, I think, I think it's true. And then that's, that's uh, so the, the, we're picking it up uh, in a court case where he's being accused of uh, perverting the youth and denying the gods and, in the context of, of defending himself, he, he brings up this charge and he says, I think it's true because everyone I've ever spoken to thinks they know something when I think I know nothing and therefore I am wise for knowing nothing. Right. Or at least wiser than uh, <laughs> yeah. those who claim to know something. Yeah. And then this uh, is wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and he sort of, he was just quite relentless about it and actually gave him quite a confidence at his death, even that he was again, another comparison that people have made to to Christ and his mission and his uh, you know confidence at death and so forth, but just um, but uh, you know th that he is determined. Uh, he's made it his life mission to pursue the truth, um, and really to break down, uh, you know, set himself against uh, the proud, uh, you might say, and and those who have thought of themselves as, uh, themselves as something, so as to at least uh, allow for the development of a true. Uh, knowledge and the true wisdom you know it's interesting even maybe it's a good po point to start off there because um you think about that and you think about you know the proverbs and 
wisdom begins with the fear of God and and, and that yeah. sort of thing. And even there is there, there is a kind of parallel. And you have I kept on thinking to myself, um, you know, if you were in this pagan environment, you know, before Christ, uh, and and you there was a, a sort of how would fear of God even be expressed? You know, um, it, I suppose you've got something like that going on with the uh, the unknown God that 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 Paul talks about at Mars Hill, where uh, there is there is some trace of of something there, and um, obviously in in one's unregenerate state, you're not going to move in that direction and be uh, truly fearful of the Lord. But I think what we see in in these um, in these great thinkers is just they seem to have something a little bit more they seem to uh, really have that sense of common grace you know elevated in them in, in that they're they're starting to understand that listen you know the, the the first thing the first step one can take here is just by by acknowledging our stupidity in this whole thing and 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 then moving forward in whatever that might mean and 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 searching even for the unknown god and that's probably something of why he was accused for being um atheist in his day because it's like he wasn't he wasn't denying the gods of the greek uh you know culture at the time uh, but he was you know there was a real sense in which he was standing against the popular <clears throat> versions of them and um i think i think that probably that had fueled some of the accusation against him um you can imagine how if everyone's got their folk folk mythology and folk uh, religion going on and and here he is trying to penetrate into something that's a bit more real. Uh, that, that's always going to get you in trouble. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just listening and learning, Mike. <laughs> I felt like I made a really good point there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Um, so I thought, you know, so anyways, he's, he's taking everyone off basically is the idea. He's, here he is yeah. uh, asking questions the whole way through. And then eventually it comes to the, the inevitable uh, climax of the whole thing where he is finally brought before the council of Athens and he is, um, you know, he's on tri trial for all the things you mentioned. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it ends with his death, this famous moment where he uh, just valiantly moves straight into it. Um, and he drank so, hemlock, didn't he? That was like how he actually died. Totally. A, I think there's a famous painting on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It doesn't mention that in the book, though, right? In, no, it uh, doesn't. No, no, it's, not, no. it's not mentioned in the apology. It is mentioned somewhere else that I can't remember. But anyway, um, so so I thought what we could do is just like think about okay, Socrates and what things like uh, you know, you, you got, kind of gotta have some questions as you go into this, otherwise it all just gets too big. Think things about uh, like what what was he a good guy was he a bad guy what was his character you know is socrates like an annoying guy that was just like like you know someone just keep him quiet or was he really someone of really noble character or something in between what do you think yeah i mean maybe just putting it in the context of our own day like i as i was reading this and and just just recognizing the tribalism that's going on in social media today yeah and you know you've got your people who are looking for truth now you, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there yeah now i think conspiracy theorists would be appropriating socrates to themselves yes yeah. <laughs> but i think they would do so wrongly because you know one of the basic things about conspiracy theories is they they are answering questions right they're not admitting right. ignorance right and um <clears throat> so i just really appreciate it in, you know in light of all these so-called truth claims that are going on and people are 
pitting each other against each other and accusing each other of all sorts of conspiracy theories. Right. I thought the uh, the chastened approach to truth, you know, yeah, a humble approach that's saying, look, I don't know a lot. And I went to the politicians and I asked them what they thought. Yeah. yeah. And they thought they knew a lot. And I realized that they knew nothing. And right. then I went to, and then I went to the poets and they come up with these fantastic works of art. But when I asked them to explain it, they didn't really know what they were talking about. Right. And then I, then I went to the artisans, the craftsmen who, who yeah. had some real skill when it came to doing things, but because they were good in one area, they thought they were good in every area. Right. And then by that token, they then disqualified themselves. And so here's a, here's a man who's just saying, look, I am what I am. I know what I know. And I don't actually know that much. And I think that's, that's, that's true wisdom. And, and so from and that point of view, it's a breath of fresh air. Right. And, and even just hearing you talk like that, I mean, that, that is, um, it sounds like Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> it sounds like this, you know, this guy's just on a mission. He's like, okay, I'm just going to ask the hard questions yeah. and I'm just going to admit the truth as I see it. And, and I'm just yeah. going to work from that and, and not try and delude myself with anything. And this, you know, is the beginning of wisdom. This is something yeah. that leads you to the point of, even if the, even if the conclusion is that it's all vanity, you know, it puts you in the right place to, to, yeah. to look for what can save you from their vanity. So, um, Certainly, yeah. as this dovetails with Plato later on, yeah. I was going to say, it reminded me of something D.A. Carson said. I think it was in uh, the King James Only controversy. It's just a little comment. It just randomly jumped out at me. It's what, one of the only things I remembered is, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're a pastor, just because you may know something about scriptures, don't pretend you know everything about the weather. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, just and don't, don't pretend you know everything about that and everything about that. Don't feel like because you're in an office where people are looking to you and respecting mm. you, you feel like you've got to be an expert on everything. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. say you don't know. <laughs> That's it's okay, okay not to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and even I was going to say, even on the Bible, you know, it's okay not to know everything there is about the exactly. Bible either. You know, and and uh, man, probably we should be more willing to admit that anyone, uh, you know, having studied it a little bit and um, realizing what that is entails. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, my goodness, that's a real, a real conundrum. I remember when we were in India. Um, it, it was almost like part and parcel of the the deal. The pastor was the resident expert on every single thing that was, and uh, you just you know it's 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 like that for many communities. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, to take when, I, when, when I was a, when I was a young Christian, I had a very good friend who would call me up when I would state things factually, just like right. this is it. It's like how do you know that? Nice. Yeah, it was, we go. It was, it was just a, a healthy gift. dose of of yeah. skepticism, right? <laughs> uh, I think I think it's really at that level. I mean, my goodness, it is a healthy yeah. thing not to be gullible, not to just, yeah. you know, take things um, uh, just in a in a ridiculous sort of uh, acceptance. But to so can an unbeliever back. have more integrity than a believer? Sometimes. Oh man, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And we we trust that the believer will become sanctified. We trust that the believer will become yeah. more like his God, who's a God of truth. Yeah. <clears throat> but some people, through common grace, or because their character disposes them that way, maybe an yeah. extra analytical sort of person. Yeah. Yeah, may have a, a leg up in that area. Yeah, which, yeah, which appears to be what Socrates has. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Um, just thinking about what later happens with Plato, the way he ranks. Uh, you know, so, so he really, you know, he thought, you know, you've got to escape the illusions of the, of this uh, this this life, you know, and you have to try and get to the world of the forms and so forth. And so he would he would think of the you know someone who approaches the hard sciences uh, the sciences at least someone uh, as someone who could uh, at least be trusted because they're looking at the copy of the thing you know uh, the philosopher of course is tough because he's 
he's not limiting himself to the to the empirical study uh but at the bottom of the rung <laughs> are those that are like poets and um and painters and musicians because <laughs> what they're doing is they're they're not only not looking at the at the thing but they're like you know expressing a copy about the thing you know painting yeah. a picture of it or something exactly. so this is just like blasphemy for him <laughs> but you can kind of see how all of that ties together in this whole idea and that you're you know you have to you know you he's just on this relentless mission to get away from from things that can kind of carry you away from that ultimate truth and i think uh, obviously everything that they say I think one of the things you appreciate about the Bible when you go from one of these guys, let's say, to back to the Bible is how wonderfully nuanced and, and uh, balanced the, 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 the philosophy of the Bible is. Like we were oh. talking about last week uh, or whenever we, we met last, you know, thinking about Stoicism, for example, they had all these great truths. Uh, it really captured them. And, and yet they didn't have that balance and nuance that the Bible presents similar with, with Socrates again, and, and even just the skeptic idea in that, you know, of course there is this uh, pursuit of the truth that, that must be pursued. And yet it's held together with a real rejoicing in the arts and all of these things that, yeah. uh, that the, the, the emotions even, and, um, and uh, it's not this, this lobsided idea, but um, just, I think, yeah, if, yeah. if you compare uh, just Socrates to someone like Calvin, so the, yes. the opening pages of the institutes yeah wow like just in terms of an epistemology and knowledge and how we come to a, a certainty about anything you know in knowing yes. god we know ourselves and knowing yes. ourselves we know god that there's this hermeneutical spiral where you have the necessity of the creator and our knowledge of god giving us a knowledge of ourselves and a knowledge of the universe and yeah know, yes i mean socrates doesn't have that no and so you you feel like he's got the right instincts about how we should be approaching things humbly by virtue of the fact that you know we would say because we're creatures and it's not our world and we, we aren't all knowing he's got that right instinct but mm. but he's not able to land on the right answers and that's that's because he doesn't have revelation and that's where revelation yeah. comes into it right exactly and it makes you appreciate that point all the more um yeah. you almost think of of uh jesus's words about those who will be you know more harshly judged you know Sodom and Gomorrah for example um you know just just because of this reality that and it just it reminds you that there is something substantive in common grace there is something that you could do well with even without um a, a special revelation uh but to scoff at these things and to not appreciate them once you have them in special revelation is just something something uh, particularly uh, abysmal um so okay yeah, with the with the the character, I've I've got I've got uh, this this thing that stuck out of me. Let me read this. Um, Where are you? I am on page hundred uh, two hundred eight. Um, so, do you have those numbers twenty three, twenty four, twenty five? Um, no. Okay. Do I have those numbers? Like the page numbers or like chapter numbers? Uh, okay. Like paragraph numbers. Right. Yeah, I probably do, but I just didn't write them down here. So just uh, jotted this down. But he said. Um, uh, I have, as towards the end, he says, I've always, um, I've been always the same in all my actions, public as well as private, and never have I yielded any base compliance to those who are slanderously termed my disciples or to any other. Not that I have any regular disciples, and he goes on from it. But, um, you know, one of the things he says, uh, I had not the boldness or impudence or inclination to address you as you would have liked me to weeping and wailing and lamenting oh, yeah. and saying and doing there, yeah. yeah and doing many things which you have been accustomed to hear from others and and which as i maintain are unworthy of me 
uh, I would rather die. I'm just jumping around here, uh, you know, through this chapter. I would rather die having spoken after my manner than speak in your manner and live. For neither in war nor yet at law ought I or any man to use every way of escaping death. Uh, th those are those are very moving moments. And he talks about, he's like, listen, you can go into battle and you can fall on your knees and you could plead, you know, you could do all sorts of shameless sort of stuff and probably escape death. But at the end of the day, you know, would you have stood at your ground on your principle and is that really yeah. worth it? And he explores all of that. Probably one of my favorite parts of the whole. Uh, yeah, what's, you know, I mean, I guess there's a, there's a wonderful consistency underneath there because if you're in a law court and you want justice to be done, you don't want to manipulate the judges by appealing to their emotions. Right. And so you don't want, you don't want to you don't want to say, well, I have three children. Please have mercy on me. Yeah, exactly. What you want is the truth of justice. And so yeah. he's not going to, basically what he's saying is, is I'm not going to insult the court yeah. by, by acting in that manner yeah. on top of the fact that he doesn't want to be a coward. Yeah. You know? And, you know, it's because like, it doesn't normally work like that. I mean, any, you know, any understanding of the way the world works would militate against that sort of thing because because you know that just stating the truth is not going to get you the victory that you're looking for yeah. you know and so and so what a that, that's exactly what st struck out of me because what what kind of character would you need you know how firmly resolved would you be to know listen i'm almost surely going to lose this by not giving in and and playing the game the way the world wants me to play it so as to get my desired outcome uh, but, I, you know, as you said, just I'm willing to to yield this to the way that it should be and stand on this higher principle. And again, uh, comparisons have been made between, you know, years Socrates calmly moving into his trial in Christ. And you see, obviously, you see a similar thing with Jesus in that here yeah. he is, like the whole world is falling apart and he's absolutely calm, resolved uh, on the fact that God is controlling every second and uh, there is no authority unless given to you by the Father and so forth. So that kind of resolve is there. And um, uh, there's not even a flinching. So I, mean, I think what, what that says to me is that you do have in Socrates, a man of, I mean, to the degree that this is accurate, a man of, of uh, an ideal man, uh, uh, integrity. You know, a man yeah. of integrity, a man that we could only hope to be. I mean, I'm reading this guy, dude. Oh my goodness. I'm such a lost soul. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Cause that would have said, I got three kids. I got three kids, please. You know, I don't know. I would have pulled every, every, uh, every trick in the book, man. But, um, you know, it's just, wow. It's, it's, I mean, what, what, what possessed this guy, you know, what got into him? It was amazing. It was amazing that he just somehow stood his ground on this, you know, it's, it is great to see the principles, but then you also see, it's just that sense of it's falling short of the fuller picture. Yes. There's another portion. Um, I'll tell you what paragraph I'm in, if it makes any, if it helps you at all. 28, beginning of 20, uh, halfway through uh, 29, beginning of 29. Right. And he talks about um, this oracle that he's obeying because he's on this. He, he says, you know, God has given me an order to fulfill a philosopher's mission of searching into myself and other men. Mm. And, uh, he wouldn't desert this post or this this mission even for the fear of death you know right. so I'm, right. i must pursue truth no matter yes. what it's going to cost you. yes he says and he talks about the fear of death and, and how it could influence us mm. for the fear of death is indeed the pretense of wisdom yes. and not real wisdom being a pretense of knowing the unknown and so this is where i, I thought oh you know i love i love the courage yes but he, talk, he speaks about death as an unknown thing. Yes, yes. And well, the, 
and does what the Stoics do. You can kind of see what how, how they base their consolation on on what he's saying here. In that, so they have know, a consistency, but it's not a consistency based on the full picture. Right. And, well, and even it's kind of like wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, because I mean, you know, one, one thing that brought it out for me is he says, therefore, judges be of good cheer about death and know of a certainty that no evil can happen to a good man, either in life or after death, you know? Exactly. And, and so even, even if you're going to move past, um, uh, he's sort of relying on the fact that, that, that you've got all these, um, these things that we know is, are not true of death anyway, you know, to, to be the, the, the reason not to fear it. Um, but then, you know, his biggest point, I suppose, is that, look, I mean, at the end of the day, if there is some kind of judgment by the gods, I'm going to rest in my own righteousness. Um, and uh, in, there you hit the, the point blank headbutt with, uh, with you know, special <laughs> revelation. Uh, because this is the problem, you know, and, and it does make you feel, I mean, my goodness, I'm even thinking of uh, Marcos here and um, uh, the many Roman Catholic theologians who, who would just go ahead and say, you know, no, listen, Socrates was regenerate. He was a, he was a, it was a pre-Christian Christian, Christian no, and you know, all of that. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult. You have to, you know, years where you have to keep your Calvinistic guns and you have to, um, you know, you have to Definitely. follow through. I think what we can say is that, look, God is just, will not the God of all the earth do right. And uh, certainly God knows how it works. So uh, to leave it in his hands is not, is not something that we have to worry about. But yeah, we can't go tweaking our doctrine for the sake yeah. of... Um, I mean, if you want the really meaty stuff and that, Mike, you've been quoting all the meaty stuff. There's So what you've got is you've got the court case, basically, the hearing. Yep. And then around paragraph 36, there's a break. Yes. And that's that's the point at which the... the the they vote they to see whether he's guilty him. or not guilty right then he then they ask him what do you think we should do to you if you're guilty and then he makes yeah. a response and then they vote again as to what they're going to do and they give him the death verdict i like the way he says well you could set the fine at one minor because <laughs> 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 that's all i have anyway so if yes. you want you could do that but, but my friends have vouched for me they maybe up to 300 minus, they'll, they'll 3, push up to 30, 30 yeah. yeah exactly uh classic yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, just just in the really meaty stuff it's around uh, paragraph 40 and he says let us reflect in another way and we shall see that there is great reason to hope that death is a good yes for one of two things so here are his here are his reasons for why right. death is a great thing and this is like the the stoics lean on this portion yeah. right here yeah either death is a state of nothingness and utter unconsciousness so there's annihilationism yes so it's not soul sleep but there's a resurrection later it's just mm. annihilationism yeah yeah. So first point, death is either annihilationism or it's transmigration, where you go to another place where you get to hang out with all the philosophers and do philosophy forever. Right. Yeah. So which hey, is like, one it is. Are it's you all kidding good. me? <laughs> <laughs> I can keep asking questions forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then even just the way that Plato expands on that, you know, with, with his uh, beatific vision, you know, the whole idea there is to get to the world of the forms and uh, the world of the, yeah, the forms and, um, and to ultimately see things in an unmediated way and, and, yeah. and the, the beatific vision to see the good. And it's almost like they're hitting, you know, that's the goal. If you have eternity to do it, amen, you know, uh, and that's what he's, that's where he's finding his consolation. But yeah, he's, he's, he's downplaying the possibility of there being this one of what as horton says you stand in the unmediated presence of god and this is not heaven but hell you know you find it but you realize yeah. you're condemned by it. because he's better than other men he must be good 
and he, he doesn't even entertain the possibility of a bad place after this. Right, right, right. And so, well, I think he does implicitly, but but yeah, he's uh, so convinced that he's not going there anyway. So yeah, exactly. So he, yeah. he's comparing himself with others, and he basically says things like, um, you know, the difficulty, my friends, is not to avoid death, uh, avoid death, but avoid unrighteousness, for that runs faster than death. Yes, you guys are unrighteous. Right. I'm going to die for being uh, for standing on the truth. I'd rather be me than you. Yeah. And, you know, I remember reading that and thinking, you know what, there is just on the degrees of punishment thing, you know, as well, even if you have to just limit the discussion to that sort of uh, idea. I mean, it, it just is, you know, it, it is better to die for the truth than to die, you know, in this really blue fire or white fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, like, who knows how it actually works is the point, you know, yeah, no. and, and, you know, I just I just think of of um, what I, I constantly, you know, uh, what is the normal comparison? I suppose how does uh, you know how does Hitler compare with Gandhi? You know, and 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 so forth. Now, of course, both both um, you know you're not looking at at a, someone who's a Christian uh, overtly, but there is there is. Um, I mean, you know, it gets weird if you're saying that everyone gets the same judgment as Satan, you know, in the same way. And it does seem that the Bible allows for some sort of, it's very mysterious and no one actually knows how it works. We should say that up front. But, but, um, woe to you, Corazon, for if the works that have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, da, 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 da. Just, it yeah. seems like Jesus knew what he was doing there. You know? And that's enough for us. We could just go, okay, as long as God knows and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think, I think that allows me, uh, you know, taking the worst case scenario to read that and go that's still true what he says there is still true even if he is still in his own smugness at some level there it's better smugness than than the smugness he's dealing with in the sophists and whatnot um so yeah uh you know this is all part of of the difficulty of reading common grace stuff as well because you you're constantly entrenched in the thought that you know wow i'm looking at a world that's condemned you know, yeah. uh, and yet here it is. Here are these sparkles of what can only be ascribed to to the God of the Bible. You know, um, yeah. yeah. And maybe just to talk about another positive aspect of Socrates' apology is, um, you know, we've spoken about a man who's after truth in a world mm. of disinformation. And I think another mm. thing which I think should resonate with the 21st century person is he's a man after virtue in a world of indulgence. No, where he yes. what he does is he, he talks about he talks about a pursuit of virtue and yes. you know he talks about his own life as a philosopher where he hasn't taken money yes he hasn't you know looked for like very pauline for name very pauline like with the you exactly. know you know just, but, uh, just defending himself there so what he does is he basically says look you know if how how have i perverted the youth yes you know that i've called them to live a life of virtue that's not all about gaining property gaining a name gaining riches yeah. You know, and if that's if that's my crimes kill me now you know right, and, right. and it's and it's in this apology that he that that he he talks about the pursuit of virtue and the pursuit of wisdom and it he comes up with that very famous saying the unexamined life is not worth living yes so here is a man on his deathbed who's summing up his ministry his his teaching career yes and it's 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 been all about this the unexamined life is not worth living and yeah. uh you know, if you're going to kill me for that, just kill me. Go for well, it. And, 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 you know, like what, it sort of dropped. Like I had a real penny drop moment with, with that whole thing in that, you know, how it's quoted all the time, you know, yeah. that it's, it's almost quoted as a, you know, do analytical philosophy thing or, or, 
you know, um, you know, you must take a course in philosophy at some point in your life, or you must, you know, think critically or something like that. And and that's true in a derivative sense. But what he's saying is like, like he's just like, I love what he says about his, um, you know, he brings the, the concept home when he says, listen, I have a favor to ask of you. You know, one, <laughs> one thing, you know, this is all I want from you. If, if when my so sons good. are grown up, I would ask you, oh, my friends to punish them. And I would have you trouble them as I have troubled you if they seem to care about riches or anything more than about virtue, or if they pretend to be something when they are nothing, then reprove them as I have reproved you for not caring about that for which they ought to care and thinking that they are something when they're really nothing. And if you do this, both I and my sons will have received justice at your hands. I mean, we're, <laughs> that's we're true justice. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's an application of his concept of the examined life, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, but I think it's above, on the cave or above the doorway to the Oracle of Delphi. It says, know thyself. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so he's, he's all about the Oracle of Delphi. Right. Being appointed through the Oracle and God yes. speaking to him through the Oracle, know thyself. And now the unexamined life and being honest about his, you know, what he doesn't know and pursuing truth from the perspective of a humble search. Yes. You know, so it's, it's all from that from that perspective yeah, totally very, and you know it's yeah. it feels almost just so much more applicable if you understand it in context you know i've always i've always bought like like is it you know people have that discussion is it true that the unexamined i mean it's blissful ignorance if you don't examine i mean what is the but in in what in what he's saying it's absolutely in, ter, in terms of like uh, understanding this through a biblical lens and just thinking about what we we're yeah. saying earlier with proverbs and, and that sort of thing ecclesiastes it's absolutely true. Like you must, I mean, you, you know, you are, it's not only not worth living an unexamined life, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a it's, thing worthy of judgment. Pay, you will be paying for it for eternity. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and just to add that moral component to it, it was, it was really quite powerful to see, see how he brings that across. So that's huge. Um, that brings me under the, the, the Socratic method of education. That was kind of interesting as well, because this is something I've been on for a while now, you know, just trying to get it like what what are we talking about there exactly if i had to try and make use of you know there's this whole renaissance in classical education and they're all so big and you know with the catchphrases and uh, uh the socratic you know we we employ the socratic method at xyz you know classical academy and um you know so what is that exactly you know because it sounds like it could go badly wrong <laughs> It could be, it could be the thing that we always don't want to do when we have Bible studies where everyone shares their ignorance and, and yeah. so forth. And, um, and everyone's just asking questions and really no one's getting anywhere. Because um, at the end of the day, someone just needs to say something and teach and move the discussion forward. Um, and so you, I, another thing for me was just kind of realizing, okay, it doesn't really have much to do with that method. Um, yeah. It is more just as we were talking about earlier just really uh the focus point when you lose the focus point of the socratic method it becomes random but if this focus point of of of, of almost like a, you might say pride like if uh if if the idea is humility um th then it gives context to the questions you know it, it you know, so in other words we might be talking now and we might employ a, a socratic method in in the truthful sense by saying well do we really know that though you know and yeah it's yeah. true we probably shouldn't build on that without first figuring out if we know that and then but do we actually know that okay well maybe we should just take a chill pill on all of this and you know unless we have something to build on and we can know 
epistemologically via revelation or whatever it is exegesis but yeah it seems to be a very healthy thing to approach life that way and socratic method in that sense i think has every almost like is is a necessary component for communication in a in a post um in a postmodern setting certainly where everyone's very unwilling to receive things dogmatically anymore anyway you know so if you're gonna you have to deconstruct it anyway and and build it up from the ground um in order for people to understand or or really lay hold of it so it's very similar to that in the sense that you're going all right well let's not just take this thing as blindly uh but let's think about christianity let's think about you know or why is it that we're christians um you know what do we know about it what don't we know where do we need to say we don't know what is the the blind faith element what is the you know by, by what standard but yeah, oh. are we allowed to say that on this podcast you can you can tell that you've just been hanging around with some guys <laughs> <laughs> no you can't say that on this podcast by what standard but then you should ask well why why nick why can't we say that on this <laughs> by what standard but by but what do you consider the standard? <laughs> a standard? Yeah, and maybe just referring to uh, my massive uh, knowledge of the secondary sources at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the comment is made that the apology of Socrates is there's only one uh, cross-examination where Socrates calls in his, ma- his major accuser and cross-examines mm-hmm. him and mm-hmm. ties him up in little logical knots. Mm-hmm. So the apology is not the best example of the Socratic method. Yes, that that's a good point. Actually, yeah. It's actually better done in other works. Yes, good point. Um, yeah. So, so this, and also, this wouldn't be the best example of that, although it is done, but it's not even done the best way. Apparently. And there are all these logical fallacies that it's funny because <laughs> <laughs> like they bring it out at other points in that, you know, to to make the minor argument, the major argument, and to, yeah. you know, to do all these things that you shouldn't be doing. He sort of does them all <laughs> in this last moment. It's a, But it's almost even there, it's a kind of overt manipulation, you know, it's almost to display the folly of it, you know. So even there, I think you can kind of, you can kind of work with him on what he's doing. Yeah. Well, um, that's, I mean, just again, the, the secondary sources, they do raise the comment. They're not sure if he's just being you know, a tongue in cheek guy, right. or he's, he's genuinely using irony or, you know, yeah, it's, 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 I think we just need to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he yeah. is, you know, obviously at this point, dude, how powerful, you know, just thinking about the, uh, us drawing this to an end, thinking about the end of the, the apology where, you know, he's talking about, uh, at the end of everyone's life, there's this prophetic moment, you know, and then yeah. poof, enters into his own, really the whole thing is worth reading. And by the way, if anyone does want to read this, it's really only like 13 pages, you know, 13, 14 pages on a PDF. So don't be, don't be like, you know, we haven't read like a whole book or anything. It's just in that book that of uh, the greater discourse of, of Plato, but yeah, anyone can just get hold of this and read it. And um, it took me like, I don't know, it does, it does take a while, but um, you know, you could do it in a day or two or sit it out over a week and, yeah. And um and and it's so worth reading, even for no other reason than just to get to that end part, where uh you start seeing the way he he closes out and and um faces the prospect of death and so forth. I mean, you might ask, like, doesn't he shouldn't shouldn't he have done more to avoid his own death? Uh, it, would it have been okay for him to avoid it? Uh, couldn't it, there have been measures he could have taken? Was he not provoking it and bringing it on? But you know, these are all good questions anyway, even if you uh, aren't able to answer them directly. But um, can, I, can I give a quote where he sounds like a Christian? 
Yes. Yes. The oh yes. The guest. This, this would be again. one of those. This would be one of those ones that you know that the Roman Catholics would really like and oh yeah you know, justify Saint, Soc- says, Saint Socrates. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, paragraph thirty. For no, and so he's talking about his uh, pursuit of truth. For know that this is the command of God. And I believe that no greater good has ever happened in the state, referring to the state of Athens, than mm. my service to the God. For I mm. do nothing but go about persuading you all, old and young alike, not to take thought for your persons or your properties, but first and chiefly to care about the greatest improvement of the soul. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, look, for no, if for no other thing, I mean, you could totally understand what the what the whole preoccupation with Socrates was all about in Roman Catholic theology, right? Yeah. Is that the aesthetic that, you know, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Despising of the flesh, the the Gnostic sort of element. Right. And, and, and did, I mean, he featured, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was big. So, so, but you can see it just to get an appreciation for that point is, uh, you know, it's difficult to avoid really. Um, Yeah. I love that. Um, and then, and then there is the the death is gain thing. I, I don't know if I copied yeah, it here. I've highlighted so much, I can't yeah. find it again. <laughs> but uh, uh, let me see uh, if I can get it quick because that's worth reading. Um, I'm just gonna do a search, yes. Um, <laughs> man, what is it? Uh, here we go. No, no. Well, here's another one. Yeah. Um, so this is the other biblical text that it sounds like. He says, if you say to me, Socrates, this time we will not mind Anatus, and you shall be let off, but upon one condition, that you are not to inquire and speculate in this way anymore, and that if you are caught doing so again, you shall die. If this was the condition in which you would let me go, I should reply, men of Athens, I honor and love you, but I shall obey God rather than you. And while I have life and strength, I shall never cease from the practice and teaching of philosophy, exhorting anyone whom I meet and saying to him after my manner. You know, and what's so powerful about that, it's almost like when they say philosophy, as we covered, I think, with the Stoics, you know, they mean discipleship in the truth as best that they can understand. Yeah, worldview, truth. Yeah, it's like they don't mean philosophy like we're thinking about it now. They mean like an actual practical i am going to be a hardcore committed disciple to i don't know what exactly that's the point i'm trying to find it <laughs> it's it's quite a crazy dynamic but there it is um yeah and i, I think this is the one there might have been another one but he says um you know uh now if death be of such a nature i can say to die is gain literally yeah, using those cool. words uh for eternity is then only a single night blah 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 uh and let me die again and again if that be the so case i mean you can compare that statement to die is gain for eternity be about a single night so to die is gain because of annihilation yes annihilationism and you compare that to paul's statement to right. love is christ and wow. to die is gain. i know and it's not like, because it's annihilationism but because it's 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 glorification and you know what that right there might be the worthwhile nature of the study of this sort of common grace thing to see it sort of gives you a uh, a foil against which to set yeah. the the the, the Cause, light cause, I mean, of the gospel. I, I, I do think that Paul is just echoing that. Yeah, you know, I wonder yeah. how conscious he was being of that. Like I mean, when we say the words "my precious," right? You know, right? Yeah, he, Lord of the Rings is resonating. There's something yeah. going on there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, these things we'll never know. And obviously, scholars drool over this kind of thing, but it's it's like you know, yeah. Uh, look, even if he had no awareness of what he was doing there. The, 
the truth stands uh, the the comparison the comparison stands anyway yeah. and um and yeah just to see exactly what it was that paul is upholding in comparison but it's almost like you brought into the the excitement of the gospel that way you know here you are it's almost like you're at mars hill then and going listen paul's speaking to you here and going i mean look this is what you've done this is pretty impressive stuff you know you've even got the statue but look how lame it is ultimately in comparison to what i'm telling you right now because yeah. this has been revealed and uh this should make us go yeah you know, and being just, in chains for the gospel you know, Socrates in chains for philosophy. Yeah, yeah. You know, really profound, willing to be martyred for the gospel. You know, it's just. Uh... And, and, you know, that's something again and again that I keep. Uh, this is a controversial point for me because it's like, you know, I don't know what to do with it. It's an open ended thing for me. I'm not going to try and resolve it, but it's just like, you know, that's profound. It's profound that you have a guy who's willing to be in chains, in chains as a disciple of philosophy which is a, a pursuit of truth as an unregenerate man you know uh, i know i couldn't have done that and um and for whatever that is you know it is worth uh, emulating and uh, well aren't aren't, aren't aren't especially young men in particular attracted to that sense of conviction they know they right. should be living and dying for something yeah and so suicide bombing becomes an option for some yeah you know yeah. following jordan peterson in his Jordan you Peterson know, is a great idea. Yeah, yeah great doing idea. hard things as a book, which is a sensation. It's yes, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, there is something about it, and maybe that's just an appeal, that remaining common grace sort of yeah. philosophical appeal that remains to to those who. Well, it's kind of like I, I think of Augustine as well, and just via Platonism and Manicheanism and all these things, he gets to, you know, he gets to almost be it's warmed up to the concepts that are going to get expounded by ambrose even though we kind of think of them as pretty weird they they were these stepping stones that that, that that you can almost see how they might still apply today via jordan peterson and so forth and that you've got you've got these there's this common grace sort of natural conviction to live for yeah. something higher than yourself that can ultimately be used by god to move forward and and uh and and can be used just a martyr is another guy that comes to mind he's a guy who's obviously dedicated to to but frustrated at the same time ecclesiastes ultimately and 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 it all just almost becomes a background story for their actual discovery of of why it is that christianity is what it is and those are the guys that carry the day those are the guys that, that ultimately know what they found they sell everything they buy the field with the pearl and they they uh they set up shop there, you know, because they realize what they got. Yeah, for sure. My heart yeah. is restless till it finds its rest. In there you. we go. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. Well, let's let's drop it there. I think it's a good place to leave yeah. it and, and go read things. it. It's short. It's simple. It's it's definitely one of the classics, and it will give you more of the worldview that the Bible is based on. Yes, and uh, Lord willing, we will come to Plato's Credo uh, next. Credo. Credo. <laughs> Credo. Credo. And, Crito um, is mentioned in the book as well, in the defense as well as one of his disciples. Exactly. Also, very cool read. So uh, we'll talk more about that next week or whenever we meet again. We're doing quite, it's not bad though. I mean, Super regular now. What's that, I think, I think it's almost like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad at all. I mean, I mean I'm we, busy. We, we started with like one a day. <laughs> well, we're working our way back. And, and the thing is, uh, you know, I've got busy. I got stuff to do, you know, so it's like, it's pretty impressive that we're getting this done. You know, I get all sorts of pressures pulling me, you know, pulling me apart and making me getting to the precipice of a psychological meltdown. But here I am podcasting <laughs> with you. So this is a good sign. This means we're here to stay. All right. That's it. Cool, good man. night. Take it easy.